Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Thank you for listening. What we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail, in addition to talking all things Trek. Today, we are reviewing Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, the mid-season finale, Terra Firma. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies starting with none other than Cal Jones. How are you doing, man? You know what? I feel like I'm in like a time warp or something like that because this isn't our usual day of recording, I'm, but I'm glad to be here. Two, two days in the week, talking track. Can't complain with that. Yeah, since we have two episodes come out today for the first time since the late 90s, <laughs> we, we're trying to knock these out. Plus, the holiday season is right uh, around the corner. Next week is Thanksgiving week. So I'm going to go ahead and try to knock it out. But I appreciate you guys jumping on for this impromptu session <laughs> to talk it out. But also on the podcast, we have Jonathan Shorts. How are you doing, man? I am fantastically well. Certainly not fine by far. But you could say I'm close to spectacular. <laughs> Glad to have you on, man. How are you doing, dude? I am good, man. I am good. Uh, another enjoyable episode of Prodigy that I'm excited to talk about. And I have not watched Discovery yet, so no spoilers, please. Yeah, and that's the important thing to say. There will be no Discovery spoilers during the course of this episode. So no fear if you have not watched both of today's episodes we will not be covering discovery kyle hasn't seen it either so yay oh i could go on about it but i want because i just promised i wouldn't so <laughs> we're going to talk about star trek prodigy terra firma is the fifth episode of star trek prodigy season one the episode was written by julie and shauna benson and was directed by alan Wan and olga ulanova marooned on a deadly planet the crew must work together with their captive, Gwen, to stay alive. Except the planet isn't the only thing in pursuit. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. Like always, we go to Cal Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious... Sometimes comedic. You never know. Cal Jones, what do you have for us this week? Something serious, because I just really like this. So here we go. Sometimes the strongest connections are not those we're born with, but instead are those that we make. And those connections, in the end, are what save us. Mm, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Are you sure those connections aren't weeds coming out of the ground to suck you in? <laughs> and interpret as you wish. <laughs> I chose my words carefully, quickly, but carefully. All right. Uh, Jonathan Shorts, what is your high level view of the episode, man? Uh, man, I, I just, I, same. It's, it's a great episode, man. Overall, great episode. Again, I mean, we're also bringing in, we're carrying over with the same problem we've seen in the previous episode. But again, great storyline, great problem. They figured it out. I love the way they worked through this problem. There were happy moments. There were moments that pissed you off. There were <laughs> moments that kind of made you sad. 
Like, and they packed all of this into a 30 minute cartoon, which, well, not cartoon, animated series. I'll say that animated show. But like, it just amazes me is what they put into this short period of time, like the emotions we got from it. And it really was short. Like it seemed shorter than the rest. But in that little bit of time, they hit all of the emotional strings I would look for. They hit that good Federation motto like we look like I look for in Trek. Like everything was on point and it hit right on time. Awesome sauce. Cal Jones, additional thoughts. Indeed. So there is a part of me and I probably say this every week, but if I didn't, I'm saying it now. And if I have, I'm saying it again, which is there is a part of me that wants to sit here and make fun of lower decks or make a jab at lower decks or et cetera and so forth. That said, not going to do that other than saying that and that kind of insinuates what I'm trying to say. But these characters, these writers, these producers, these people who are creating this show do exactly or are doing exactly what Jonathan just said. They take a condensed time they say, okay, we've got 20 minutes. Just because we have 20 minutes doesn't mean that we have to tell a half bleep story. They tell an awesome story, short amount of time, great character development, great characters. And I don't care if it's a kid's show. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to take everything you guys just said. And I'm going to add on that. I'm loving how this show is doling out information. I'm loving the reveals. There is more mystery and, and intrigue in this show than you could probably ever expect. It's things that have great implications to just Star Trek as a whole in this era. This technology, some of the things we've seen and, you know, and going back to what John said, some of the other stuff of just standard Trek of what you expect and how they are able to convey it in, in this series. It's just really been great. All of those emotional points, which I want to go through a little bit later, I feel like were great as well. And, and, and just like you said, Kyle, just the feeling and the being able to tell a story in this short amount of time, really, really enjoyable. So we're definitely going to kind of just lay back and just talk it out on this. This is a continuation from the last episode where we find our protostar stuck on this planet and our crew trying to make it to the ship to, to try to get away because this is uh, this M class planet, as we know, has been dubbed the deaf planet. Not Larry, uh, <laughs> but thank you. But let's <laughs> and well, let me intercede right here, real quick. Just a quick uh, note for our listeners out there, uh, and I'm pretty sure they know this by now. But if you like me and you're watching Paramount Plus through your Amazon Prime membership, and you elect to hit the skip intro button, it actually skips two minutes into the show. So if you're watching it and you feel like you kind of missed, like it didn't seem like it picked up where it should have, that's the problem. Oh, really? Yeah. They don't have the time codes correct on the skip mm. intro. I, I suppose so. Like it, it's happened to me each time. And I thought maybe it was like an internet connection, but it's almost like exactly the same timing skipped in like two minutes and 12 seconds or so. Yeah, interesting you bring that up, because if there's anything I have to complain about the Paramount Plus service, 
it's their apps and their website even is just not up to standard, up to par with the other apps that are out there, man. I, it never keeps up with the last show I watched or, or the upcoming episode. It's 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 kind of a mess. Now that that that's the great thing with Amazon Prime, though. As soon as I go to Amazon Prime, it my Prime Video, it shows me the last thing, well, the next episode up from Paramount Plus that I watched. So mm. whichever show I watched on Paramount Plus through Prime, it's at the top of my list. And the same thing with Apple TV because I've got Paramount Plus ever since it became player Paramount Plus through Apple TV, and it does the same thing. It shows. You know, I had Discovery and I had Prodigy as my up next, and it alerted me, hey, you, you've got two new episodes. Yeah, and also, I guess we we may have mentioned this last week, but we'll get on to the review. But I, I'm, I believe that Paramount has, or Netflix has pretty much ditched all the Star Trek stuff. I think we yes. brought it up last week. Yeah. But I think that even goes for people in other countries who yes. are getting the new series through Netflix, but aren't. So what happened, they got rid of everything except DS9 and TNG on Netflix, which I think it's mid next year. They'll pull that from Netflix as well. But also the contract Netflix had with Paramount for the new seasons, that contract was up. So Paramount did not renew because they're planning on pushing the Paramount Plus International. Yeah. So any any people outside of the U.S. who are watching through Netflix are pretty much screwed until they get that service up and running internationally. And the rumor is, well, I mean, there's no set date when that'll be available international, but they're saying it could be as late as mid to late 2022. Now, I think I saw that it was it will be January that it will be available, you know, in other countries. Uh, yeah, that would well, hopefully so. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, cuz I know people are already pretty mad about not being able to watch Lower Decks when it came out in certain countries and yeah, it's kind of they a They didn't miss much. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we we digress on our Paramount Plus hate. You know, this is what we do. We get off on a tangent. But we're going to get back to Terra Firma, right? Yeah, let's get back to Terra Firma <laughs> slash M-Class Planet slash Hell Planet slash Death Larry. Planet, whatever they call it. <laughs> but I, I kind of want to take this character base because the story is pretty much set up from last week. We know what's going on. We know we're stranded on this planet and we're trying to get back to the ship. And I want to take it pretty much character based. But the first character I want to cover is this sentient planet. John, I want you to talk about maybe how this planet is manipulating these guys as they try to get back to their ship. And it seems like the... Not a trope, but it seems like we've seen it before of misdirection and, and turning them around as they're traveling through the forest. That seems like something we've seen before somewhere. And I don't know where, but it seems like a familiar trope. I'm trying to think. I mean, it does, but I don't I can't remember a specific. I know a movie that it came from. Uh, let's hear it. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Really? Mm -hmm. Ego, the living planet. No spoilers. Ah, okay. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And that, I think, you know, uh, again, going off on Soul Avatar, the uh, series, the animated series, I think when they went to that little planet, dream planet or whatever, 
it happened the same way there. Yeah. Matter of fact, the vines and all that was trying to get them and misdirected them and made them see one place and it wasn't. So. Yeah. But, but I think you, I think you're right. I think we have seen something similar in trick. I just can't put my finger on it other than like the, uh, demon planet was kind of like that kind of made like a false Harry Kim and, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but, but just a, a great, I think a great science fiction concept of them already stuck on this planet and we know it's manipulating their, 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 uh, thoughts and what they see. And it's kind of have them going in circles. Um, so I thought that was a pretty, pretty cool, uh, sci- sci-fi thing that we have there. And it, it was a good twist like and i didn't even think about it to one of the characters mentioned it like they're the whole goal for the planet was to keep them there for whatever reason yeah and obviously the mind games didn't work and then you know they started taking their equipment and it dawned on me like well that's actually pretty smart (laughs) like if you can't trick them into staying or make them want to stay then take everything that's going to help them get away yeah yeah that was that was pretty great but we did get to one point in the story where they're traveling and they're trying to get back. And uh, <laughs> Jingham Pog thinks it's still a vision, but it's actually Dreadnought that's in front of them pursuing to try to k- get kill them. I, I thought that was pretty cool because, you know, they had been fooled so much before that at this point they're like, oh, you know, we're used to it. We're not going to be fooled again. And lo and behold, it's a real thing. Well, and not only did it fool them, like it fooled me. Like this whole <laughs> episode, I'm like, is that real or not? You know, there was an episode when he ran away from him and he said, let's split up and he can't catch us. And then he seen them all walk up together. Yeah. And I was like, maybe that's not them. You just want it to be them. And then I think Jankum Park even mentioned in one part, like, what if it's not only showing us our wants but what if it's showing us our fears as well Mm. like what if this is not real it's just what we're scared of so like the whole show i'm thinking everything i'm like is it real or is it not yeah which is usually something i hate in the show but they made it work really well in this episode yeah pretty good pretty good so so kyle i want to ask you a little bit about dal and mr ariel because i'm still trying to frame what type of character he is we know that he's 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 gone through a lot in his life and it kind of makes him cold. And that coldness was something that kind of turned me off in this episode. What do you think about his treatment of Gwen as they were getting ready to go back to uh, find the ship? Mm. I didn't find him cold. I disagree with you there because you have to go back and look at his previous dealings with her. And we only saw one of those dealings with her where she was the one in power. I am quite sure from the story that they've been telling that they've had that I'm going to be your friend moment and I'm going to protect you moment trying to manipulate him. So I can see him not liking her and not trusting her. I think the true example of who this person is, is a character is at the end and the scene between him and her reaching out to each other at the end. That to me, I think is the character or or the personality of this character because he saw through that sarcasm that I think was a front. And ultimately they, I think in this second part of the series 
are actually going to develop a, quite a close relationship. Yeah, yeah, and I, I tend to agree. Um, and I will add that I'm, I'm loving it here as well because uh, Dal and even some of the more other cast members, they can be a little more loose than what we would normally see from a Star uh, Federation crew. Like if that was any other Federation officer, we wouldn't have thought twice of them leaving <laughs> Gwen. I mean, he they would have never have left Gwen. They would have definitely tried to carry them along or do something to help them. At least I think that. Maybe John can prove me wrong on this. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Let me let me say this though, real, real quick before before you jump in, John. It which is we can't judge these characters by Starfleet standards. They may have a Janeway and they may be on a Starfleet ship, but they're not Starfleet. So we can't hold them to that regard yet. Yeah, agreed. And but that's like one of the things I love about this episode and this overall arc. And I mentioned last week same thing. I we're seeing an opportunity. We're seeing a a transformation. Like, and I assume what this is what I would think Starfleet does with raw cadets. You know, someone's just joining Starfleet. Like, you don't, I'm, I'm pretty sure like everybody in the Federation are not quite this. I don't know how to say it. This good. Altruistic. Right? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Like Starfleet molds you to that way. Just like our current day military. When you join the military, you're a different person and they mold you into a better person. That's the goal anyway. Yeah. Like, and I see that is what I think that's what Starfleet does. That is like their goal. And we actually get to see that, you know, it's kind of like the lower decks of Starfleet. Like we really don't see a lot throughout Trek of what these people were like before they learned the, Federation way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. so these two episodes have given us that. Like, they're taking these people, as Kyle pointed out, they're not Starfleet cadets. They're not Starfleet. They're just normal people. And not only that they're just normal people, but they're also adolescents. Yeah. Yeah. So we're seeing growth on two fronts. We're seeing them become more of a mature minded person and they're developing the Starfleet culture. And that's great. And again, they threw all of this in a freaking 25 minute, 30 minute, 20 minute episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was more growth in this arc than it's been on a season of Lower Decks. I'm silently clapping for you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's discuss Gwen for a bit, because I feel like out of everyone in this episode, she had the roughest go at it. So she, of course, as as Dal says, she tried to take off in a half complete completed ship, <laughs> uh, breaks her leg. And I just loved how she used this tool, which we find is an, uh something that was passed down from her father that allows her to kind of brace her leg on the fly so she can walk. I thought that was really cool. But we see throughout the course of the episode her start to become a part of the crew that's already there. And even to the point of, I see this relationship again, again, of, of her and Dow that I think has always been there, but kind of a reluctance to, to solidify from the first episode. We've seen that relationship. And as they figure out the stars and figure out a way to find the ship, 
uh, it was really cool to see her um, kind of integrate with the rest of the crew. Now, I will say one of the saddest, you know, John, you talked about emotional parts of this episode. The thing that had me really sad is the part with her father and the protostar. Mm. I think it was a pivotal moment for her because this is that moment where, and you know, our friend Lee Shackelford often says, and I love this because it's stuck in my head, which is show me, don't tell me. And that is exactly what they did. They didn't just say, well, she's decided not to go with her father. They and the computer animation, you saw in her eyes and her actions and and the things that happened, you saw this character moment for her where she shifts from this version of Gwen that we've seen so far. This allegiance is still with father. Mm. Now the diviner has no longer shown any well, basic. Well, he did have passion, compassion for her, but you you get where I'm going. Yeah. He, he was trying. He, he didn't choose her, and you mm. saw her see that. I loved that. So I think that was a pivotal character moment for her. Yeah, that was really tough, really tough to see. Uh, John, do you have any comments? Actually, I just kind of agree with everything Kyle said. Like, it's, again, that was one of those heartstring pulling moments. But, I mean, we all knew this, right? Like, uh, like if you would have asked me from the beginning of the series— you know, hey, there's going to be a situation where he has to decide between something he wants and her. What is he going to choose? Like, we knew that already, right? And I think somewhere she knew that already. And it just became a realization. You could tell that there was something about their relationship that didn't sit well with her from the very beginning. But she was still there being loyal, doing her father's bidding. But I think it gets to the point where she's being used as a tool and not treated like his offspring that it, it, it just goes too far. And what a fitting into his, uh, his um, leaving her to die for him to be fooled by the planet. I just thought that was so brilliantly done. <laughs> Let's dig a little bit into so that's the basic character arcs of 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 this episode but i want to dig a little bit into janeway in the ship and there was a moment when she was on the protostar and i i just smiled so hard she she sat down and said what would the real janeway do yes so good (laughs) that's good i love that John, we're going to go to the the tech a little bit. And we speculated on this chamber and engineering from the very beginning when we first saw it on what it could be. I mean, they wouldn't show us this unless it was something important, but it was so on the nose. How could we not predict this already that the protostar (laughs) is powered by a protostar? It was hidden in plain sight. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I was kind of mad at myself about that. Like, <laughs> like I kind of wanted to, like, say, hey, let's re record that first episode so we can look better. <laughs> and you, even still, and even more hints, like the first problem they ran into as a crew on this ship 
was getting trapped in the gravity well of a proto star. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a developing star. Like, I, why did we not put that together? So, I mean, you, and it's not like we hadn't had references to this, right? So the Romulan ships are powered by a quantum singularity, which, yeah. I mean, is rough. I mean, I don't know exactly how what to define a singularity, but it's like similar power to a supernova, which is a star collapsing, which I would assume will be the same power as, you know, a star forming, a protostar. So, like, we know it's possible. Why didn't we get this? And even still, when they mentioned the, uh, you know, when Janeway was trying to shut down power yeah, and there was a gravitational containment uh, <laughs> system going. And I'm thinking like, hmm, I wonder why. And I still didn't put it together. Like, I thought maybe they were transporting like that little glowing globe that we seen a few episodes back was some kind of massive power source or powerful creature or something that was just being contained on this ship for a purpose. Yeah. I never put it together that it's propulsion. Yeah. And, and to that end, I think it's, we can kind of reason why the diviner would want this ship so badly. At least I'm thinking the reason he would want it so badly is because it seems to be an unlimited power source. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, why else would you want it? Yeah, I don't know. I'm wondering. I, I had another theory on that, but I'm haven't you know kind of gathered it completely. But I feel I might be off. Like, I wonder if the star that's contained in it it's has some religious significance to the diviner. Mm. Because me call him a, the the diviner just sounds too. You know what I'm saying? It sounds like it's a sect or some type of religious thing i don't know i don't know i haven't thought thought it through completely but <laughs> yeah wow there's other power sources so why is this particular power source so important what and cal did you gather anything on other than going to maximum warp what other things it might provide the crew of the protostar i really didn't even have time to wrap my head around it to be brutally honest but I do have, before we finish, there is one character that is my only negative. Um, mm. So I do want to mention that before we finish. But as far as the protostar, the biggest thing was it was hidden in plain sight, which I thought was interesting that when none of us saw that. That said, I just thought the fact that they left them in their, you know, the, they were about to overtake them in the warp signature and then all of a sudden, they're gone. Yeah. We got some great visuals of in warp flight of them being pursued, which I thought all oh, they look very JJ Abrams esque, <laughs> but it was pretty cool. And we also get to see when the ship goes into protostar mode. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I saw, and I actually posted a screenshot of that before the episode came out. So I feel kind of good about that. But that third protostar i said in a cell but it's not in a cell the the protostar engine kind of pops out of the back of the ship and then yeah. the cells lower that's so freaking cool yeah and then complete opposite so you know when voyager would go to warp then the cells would kind of come up yeah yeah they tilt up so i'm I'm hoping like it's got to be tied into the voyager being lost in a delta quadrant like they had to create a, hmm. a, 
And maybe this was a ship that they sent for Voyager at some Ooh. point, but it never caught them or they got home before that got to them and that just crashed on a planet. You know, you may be on to something. And, I, and the reason I say that is what better AI to put on this ship than Janeway if that was the intent there. Yeah. Right. My only argument against that is like, how would they get the Janeway AI at that point? Because it, I don't know. It seemed like it seemed like to have the Janeway AI on it coming back to get Voyager would be a bit too much for me. But I do like the I do like the idea. But I thought that maybe it would be after they've gotten back and say there's something they left in the Delta Quadrant that they want to go explore or. Oh, I thought that's what. Yeah, I agree. That's what I thought you meant. Yeah. yeah so if it's I don't know, let's go get Kess or I don't know. I'm just throwing something out there. <laughs> Well, you know, they did transfer the doctor's hologram from yeah. the Delta Quadrant back to Earth twice. Well, back to the Alpha Quadrant twice. Well, the Equinox, so, not the Equinox, the, um, the Prometheus. Prometheus, yeah. And then the other time when he was going back to try to help, what was the doctor's name that he was based oh, on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Dr. Zimmerman. Zimmerman, yeah. So, he, yeah. you know, he was sick. And they sent his program back for that. So, I mean, I could assume, like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I just know there's so much more story they were going to get, and they're setting it up beautifully so far. Really loving it. And then they're going to make us wait. Yeah, that's my only gripe, too. They left us on a huge cliffhanger, kind of. Like, when it stopped, when the credits rolled, I was like, wait, is this not a two-parter? Oh, I'm not <laughs> complaining. Not complaining. <laughs> I'm complaining a little bit. I, I just, I, it's a good complaint. Like, I, it's great that I can complain about this, but it's still a complaint. Like, I, I needed a little more to end on. Well, okay, well, well, Jonathan, I've got your remedy for that. All right. Each week between now and when it comes back, go back and watch the first two seasons of Lower Deck. <laughs> then, once this comes back on, you will appreciate this story even more, and you will say, I am glad that I had that break because I don't have to watch Lower Decks anymore or something like that. I don't know. But <laughs> just a joke about Lower Decks. Well, really, 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 really quick, if I may say this real quick, that, that point that I wanted to bring up about something that I didn't like, I don't like the look of the – and I think somebody may have mentioned this already – the character that's with the diviner, he looks too much like a scorpion something off of um, one of the Star Wars yeah. shows. He's so. basically General Grievous. Thank you. <laughs> that's him. That, the way he moves, he separates his limbs. He, yeah, he's he's General Grievous for all intents and purposes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's my only negative. Oh yeah, uh, one other thing I really liked from the episode was the captain captain's log supplemental. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really cool where he yeah, takes all the good. credit for the stars idea, of course, with a little help. Yeah, yeah I guess <laughs> he said that. Not. Yeah, there you go. Oh, and another. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. But the, another great moment is when they got to the ship without Gwen, and like Jane, was just oh, sad. Oh yes, yeah, that was. Such a great moment. And then the rescue was just over the top. That was great. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. But still, like, do we not have transporters? Good. <laughs> Maybe they couldn't lock onto her because of the vines were, I don't know. 
I don't know, man. <laughs> and uh, also, just a note, I expected the Diviner to be a little more powerful. I mean, I'm glad he didn't get away. But like when the vine started wrapping him up, I just thought he was like going to start glowing and turn into like this super duper being and like set them all on fire. And you know what I mean? They just kind of swallowed him up. Well, he was in a tank at the beginning of the episode uh, series. So uh, maybe he's not that strong. Uh, I guess not. Maybe that's why he needs the protostar. He rules with fear. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and with that, we will go ahead and get ratings for the episode. Cal Jones, what do you rate Easy. this episode? Five out of five. Five Easy. out of five from Cal Jones. Awesome. Easy five out of five, he says. <laughs> Jonathan Shorts, what is your rating for the episode? Oh, uh, well, I'm going to say an even easier five out of five. Oh, man, y'all are making it hard for me, dudes. <laughs> it's not hard. Just say five. I'm, I'm, oh, you bet not. You bet not. I'm going to go with four. No. <laughs> but I'm going to go with a 4.8 because I want to, I want to hear more and I want to see it grow to some, something. Uh, all right. Well, I guess I'm doing five. <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> right. I really had no problems with the episode, but I want to see more. But I can't just say I want more and not appreciate what I already have. So Exactly. Yeah. An- another five for me, I guess. Wow. You guys have stirred me up two tenths of a point. <laughs> if anyone is listening and you've seen this episode and you have thoughts, you can always hit us up at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias or fans at DiscussingTrek.com via email. And now we're going to go ahead and get our Trek trivia before we get out of here. Trek trivia is where we ask a burning Trek related question. Jonathan, what's our question for this week? All the way in the future into the 2100s, 2300s, we still have some governmental body. The most important government governmental body is the Federation. The Federation is led up by a Federation president. There has been... So far, pictured, there have been three shown Federation presidents. Well, I'll say four because one was just kind of briefly shown, but you can't really tell them that was and they just called him an unidentified individual. So and the other one was a human male. We didn't get a name. And another one was an Ephrosian male. And another one was Jarish Inyo, which we will remember from DS9. He's probably had the most screen time of any Federation president, except the very first Federation president. Do you know who that was? Yikes. No idea. No idea. Cal? No, I have no idea. So that's going to have to be what we send out to the listeners, because I have no idea, but I will look it up in the meantime. So... (laughs) (laughs) The question being, who is the very first on-screen Federation president, correct? The very first period and the very first on-screen, actually. Mm, so this is Enterprise era. Mm. Oh, I should know this. I can see it in my head. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to beat yourself up when you find out. Cool. Well, that's out there for you listeners. You can you can send a reply to that in to us by again by hitting us up fans at discussingtrek.com via email or at discussing trek on any and all social medias. I want to thank the people who've come in and uh, we had a comment on our on our Facebook 
page from an Australian listener uh, that had some comments about Rock Talk. And I really appreciate her writing in and and giving us some information about Rock Talk. Uh, Continues to be one of my favorite characters, by the way. And just the cutest voice. (laughs) Uh, Almost (laughs) melt every time she talks, honestly. But but yeah, uh, I appreciate the feedback there. And again, if you know who the first Federation president was, please let us know. And with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up and get ready for our Star Trek Discovery Season 4 review coming up pretty soon. Episode 1, Kobayashi Maru. That should be a lot of fun. Thank you for joining, uh, uh, John and Kyle. We really appreciate it. Yep. Awesome. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. Your traveling companions are fellow fans of Doctor Who. That's right, it's the podcast Discussing Who, exploring the worlds of Doctor Who, past, present, and future. Find out more at DiscussingWho.com. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.